Blog Talk Radio. What we do in Congo, that's what's to be turned. People, people, Saeed Benga here. How are you out there in the netherworld of the netizens of the Internet? Wherever you may be, I see an email here already from my friend in Johannesburg. What time is it over there anyway? I'd like to say hello to the people in the world. It's been a long time. I've always often said that when we come onto the air. As much as I try to keep a show on a weekly basis with all the productions and advocacy and teaching, it's very difficult. But, you know. You guys are always on my thoughts, and I'm always compiling information so that when we do get on air, I'm able to give it to you as it needs to be given. I hope everybody is well out there this uh, cold evening. We are live from Los Angeles, corner of 7th and Broadway. It's a little chilly out here. Just watched my Patriots, New England Patriots, 59-0, I believe it was, on the Titans. Uh, the second day was decimated, but at the same time, if you're on the squad, if you made the final roster, you should have the skills to defend. So congratulations. A little, it was also better to see Buffalo waylay the New York Jets. That was a good thing. We were hoping for a tie, but we'll take the loss anyways. We was in a sports bar run by a guy from Cape Cod, an area outside of Boston, south, south of Boston, I believe. It's been a while since I've been out there, and a fight almost broke out between this young lady who was a Sanchez fan and a San Diego Chargers fan. And this guy who was a Patriots fan, you know, she was basically, you know, defending her, her, her quarterback, Sanchez, and defending uh, the Chargers. But as the owner of the bar said, this place, you know, the place was full of uh, Patriots fans, so let's tread lightly. But respect was shown, you know, respect was shown. But there was one lady, every time the Jets made a move, she sounded like 30 people. She was just loud. But, you know, hey, it was all fun. But also I must sing my favorite song at this moment, uh, Old Window Saints. Come marching in. Oh, when the Saints come marching in. The Saints shellacked the New York Giants. Now, if I just lost some callers, I'm sorry, but when you guys beat the New England Patriots two years ago in 07, you guys couldn't wait to find me. And find me, you did. So I must return the favor with love. When the Saints go marching in. Previously undefeated New York Giants, I believe they have the number one rated defense.
and uh, the the kicker for the Ravens missed a 25-yard field goal that would have uh, won the game in regulation, from what I'm hearing. So, but at the same time, Baltimore's uh, offense isn't as dynamic as Minnesota, from what I'm understanding. What can do to them? This is what we can do to them. So, anyways, people, how are you? The psychic guest at the Bengals Symposium. Yes, we have some guests lined up. We're just putting the finishing touches. Uh, we're looking to have uh, Stan Yambo from the Congo News Channel uh, on board. Uh, again, that's uh, Eric Yambo from the Congo News Channel. And he will be on board. We're trying to do it this coming Saturday, but we're supposed to be shooting a film or scouting a location in regards to the Congo film. So that is a little tricky, but we'll make that work. And we have a few other people lined up. We have uh, Nakia Hartley from Jair. Uh, she's a designer uh, based in L.A. She's doing the costuming and styling for two of our films, the Neil Song. And I believe she's going to be on the Hammer Down project. So that's really looking good. We're looking to get her in there. I'm also looking to talk to a good friend of mine, uh, Kevin Grievous from uh, Underworld. I haven't talked to him in a long time, so he's probably like saying, wait, he wants to be on the show. That's how his voice sounds. So we're looking to get him. He had played race, co-writer, co-creative, most of the characters in Underworld. Looking to get him here. Also, I'm seeing if I can figure out a way to get my good friend Claudia Jordan on air. If not, I'll probably do a word to the street to her. You know, I know I haven't done that in a while. I know we're getting off a little, a little off track here, but I'm trying to catch up on a lot of things we haven't done since I haven't spoken with you in some time. We haven't done a word in the street for some time. I think the last word on the street was the George Maleka Foundation in New York, run by Noella, uh, I think it's Kasuris. That's how you pronounce her last name. Is that how you do it, Eric? Yeah, not Eric Yambo, my other associate producer here in the studio. Um, we wanted to get, we're looking, that's the last time we've done a word on the street. And for those that don't know what a word on the street is, that's where basically for 30 minutes I talk about somebody who's doing something extraordinary or just doing something on the radar, and I feel that she gets some light. Um, that may be uh, Tanya Kersey, who I often listen to her show. I believe she had a great show recently uh, speaking with Jeff Hardy, where they were talking about the state of black films. That was, that was a good conversation. I'll definitely to get her on air. But she's somebody you want to check out. I don't have her exact address here, but I'm sure if you go to Blog Talk Radio, enter Tanya Kersey, I believe it's K-E-R-S-E-Y, you'll find her over there. Uh, see what's going on. She's doing a lot of things, which reminds me, entertainment-wise, yesterday I was at the Showbiz Expo as a guest of my friend Nakia. I really didn't want to go. I just really had a lot of work to do with regards to school. You know, I, also, I teach at a charter school. Also, I teach uh, networking. I help the seniors put together a college portfolio. And on top of that, I'm a coordinator for the Law Academy there, so I teach law. Uh, it's a great experience, and I'm enjoying it greatly. So, you know, we're trying to get a lot of things together here. The Congo piece, uh, we're looking to shoot one uh, last scene, actually three scenes. David Che, Dave Che, uh, great director out here in Los Angeles, is directing that piece. We had a walkthrough yesterday, so prayfully we can have everything secure with the location. Uh, there may be an insurance issue, being that there may be, there will be children on the campus at the same time while we're shooting. So we'll see how that transpires. But everything is a go as it stands. Also, it's great to see a good friend of mine, two good friends of mine yesterday, Jean-Michel Richard and Ewing Chung, who actually auditioned for me back, I believe, in 2000 when I first came to L.A. for my Iron Rain piece. They did their audition in French, 
it was great. It was a great audition. It was really nice to see them yesterday and reconnect after so many years. Um, for those who are sending in chat emails right now, you can chat uh, online. You can chat with me live. You know, I'll definitely read it to you. If I can, I'll get to your messages, what have you. Or you could always call in. Yes, that's the siren in the background. Don't worry. No one's chasing me at this moment. Uh, you could also call in at 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. You know, in the symposium, we generally cover business, the economy, international matters, health care. And we always have a traditional 10, 15 minutes to talk freestyle about whatever subject you may want to talk about. But if you want to talk about entertainment, yes, we'll go over the box office. We'll cover everything here. But I definitely want to say hello to everybody. Uh, before I forget again, I almost left the subject. The Congolese Memorial in New York was a great success. Sadly, we had more non-Congolese than Congolese. And that's kind of to be expected. It's not a concert or a matanga. That's where everybody greets to get together and support their family after the passing of a relative or it's a big concert or something like that or some conference where the political intellectuals can run their mouths about two or three hours. If it's not one of those three things, you generally don't get a big Congolese turnout. So that was disappointing in itself. But the ones that were there, in, in reference to Intumba, it was nice to see her come down to Intumba Kenge. She's the great Bukendi. I always pronounce her last name incorrectly, but Intumba, Intumba is how she goes by the name. She's a great advocate, uh, fashion designer, stylist over there in New York. She came down. It was great seeing her. I haven't seen her in literally almost 16 years. So it was great to connect with her. She came down and gave a great uh, words of, of knowledge while she was there. Dave Donaldson came down and spoke. So that was great to finally actually meet him. We've spoken on the phone. We're both on Facebook. So it was great to meet him in person, and he gave some great words. Um, and Tumba's friend Ned came down, said a few words. Uh, he's a videographer, film producer, media producer in New York. That was, I was really great to have him. And on top of that, I have to give much love to Gregory Reed for coming down and helping me put the whole thing together and showing support. And I believe our—I believe he was Serbian or from Montenegro or was it Albania. I'm not too sure, but I believe his name was Jacob. He was uh, working at the church. He came down, so it was great to see him there helping out. But to talk to finally meet Gregory Reed, it felt like we talked for a long—we knew each other for a long time. He's a lawyer. He's a an attorney in New York. I'm not exactly sure what his specialty is, but it sounds like his business law. He was very supportive in putting it together and very supportive when we were out there. You know, I felt like we've known each other for a long time, and during my time out there, we actually got a chance to uh, sit briefly with the Congolese ambassador to the United Nations, Ambassador Ileka. And while we were there, we actually got a chance to briefly, momentarily, meet the foreign minister for Congo, whose name escapes me at this moment. But it was great to meet them. Mr. Reed was excited about that. Um, it was great for him to see our representatives and see who defends our country to the world. So let's get back on track here. But we have an email. A friend of mine is, I don't know this person is, from, oh, my goodness, from, okay, from Chicago. Says, Saeed, how are you? It's been a long time. Where have you been? We haven't talked to you. haven't heard from you. We wasn't sure if you're still in the country. We wasn't sure if you're still around. And, you know, a question for you, how have you been dealing with the death of Michael Jackson? Well, we'll just get to that right now. Yeah, it's been, I'll touch more on that in the entertainment section, but, you know, it's a great loss of Michael's skills, regardless of people may say about him personally, what have you. But at least he wasn't a coward to always be, to just be a bit, a backup singer in his own life. He stepped forward, he achieved the goals he had wanted to do, he had set for himself. And from that, he's left a legacy of music, and uh, 
video footage that just really will last through time. You know, people have Elvis, people have Tupac, people have Biggie, now we have Michael, uh, Sam Cooke, or James Brown, or what have you. So it was a tragic loss, and I'm going to talk more about the This Is It documentary that is supposed to be released October 31st, I believe, uh, for two-week run. We'll talk about that more in the entertainment section. Will I see This Is It? We'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get to that section. But the first part, let's get to the symposium there's the business. Uh, obviously, what's on people's minds is the recession. That's really weighing the United States and the global economy as it stands. California's being hit very bad. Uh, the, the unemployment rate is now standing, I believe, at 9.78. But it jumped, and it, the unofficial number is actually 10.15, if not 11.30 percent is unemployed. That's not including the people who have given up looking for work. You know, there are a thousand people who have been looking for work for weeks on end and they haven't found anything. And you know what? They said, I just give up. We're not going to do it anymore. Forget it. And it's really sad because this, a lot of people are really being affected right now. You have people who are tired who have to go back to work. You have people who are ready to retire that can't retire. Um, people are literally not just a check away from the street. They're a check away from bankruptcy. They're a check away from, you know, school, you know, children being put out of school. And it really has not gotten any better. Uh, let me get together some numbers for you as we as we speak here, if I can get this program to work. The Dow, in reference to the economy, for those that have always wanted to know what was going on, uh, the Dow closed at 9,995.91, down 67.303%. Uh, the average share was moving basically 0.67%. It actually cracked the 10,000 uh, Dow barrier a couple of days ago. A lot of people were happy, but sadly, when it cracked the barrier, a lot of selling took place. The Nasdaq closed at 2,156.80. Uh, average movement is down 16.49%. Uh, the average stock declined by 0.76%. And the S&P index closed at 1,087.68. That was down uh, minus 8.88. It's actually a lottery number, right? 8.88, uh, the average index dropped 0.81%. The recovery is taking place, but not at an even rate throughout the country. For example, in some places, particularly in the east, the northeast region to a certain extent, you see a quicker vis visibility of the recovery versus the west coast, which means back to California, who is basically... You know, people want to say house, you know, home prices are down. Well, uh, the prices of home in California were overflated anyway. So when they came down, they were still overflated. And the home industry is uh, very nervous right now because there's a situation transpiring with foreclosures, uh, not to take up too much time uh, for the business segment. But there's a situation in reference to a federal judge had thrown out the, uh, a case against three lenders in reference to paperwork not being processed correctly in, in, different, in reference to homes being sold in foreclosure. Now, how is this a problem? I will tell you how this is a problem. Because of that, a lot of foreclosure sales are under review right now in a couple of jurisdictions. A lot of people who have, many people who have bought homes from foreclosure are nervous because they face the possibility of the prior homeowner uh, challenging the purchase and the foreclosure itself in court. So in the simplified version, 
uh, I buy a house, I buy a house in foreclosure, and in this case, all the foreclosure sales, uh, the mortgage broker is under review, then the person that owns the house that I purchased can challenge the sale of the, house, the home to me and actually keep possession of the home. So it not only affects myself, it actually affects a lot of people who may be in foreclosure because a lot of banks now are pulling their foreclosed property off the market until this whole situation gets resolved. Now, I want to take you to an international component in that I had met some Canadians today from Edmonton. They're here for the Prime America Conference. And I had asked them how the recession was affecting them in Edmonton. They said, you know, basically since we're an oil uh, an oil producing province in Canada, I believe it's called province, maybe a territory, uh, and other uh, products that they export, and they weren't really readily involved in the real estate market, that the recession hasn't hit them that bad. Now, these people are from Edmonton. I'm not, I don't know if that speaks for the people in Alberta, uh, Toronto, Montreal, or uh, New Brunswick. So that is a little glimmer into how the recession in some places is not affecting uh, c- countries, other places it is. And I really want to do a special, actually I will do a, a special feature on how the recession is affecting North America as a whole, Latin America as a whole, and that would be South America, Europe, uh, Asia, and the African continent. And, you know, we only have so much time, so I won't be doing that today. But that's a brief touch on the business aspect. Uh, the economy, as we linked it to the business aspect, is still the same situation that it has, it has been for basically, as they would say on the street, it's not getting any better. <laughs> All right, it's not getting any better. People, you know, thank you know, the the um, Obama administration has extended it yet once again the. Unemployment benefits for millions of Americans. Sadly, that may not be enough at this time to really make a difference into what's taking place in this world, in this world, and in this nation. So let me do this. I'm going to bring the business aspect into the economy because they're both intertwined. And I'll give you an example of some brief headlines in the Wall Street Journal. You'll see they're talking about how firms seek new compact with workers. And they talk about how the recession has accelerated changes that are eroding two pillars of the twenty of the late twentieth century, employment relationship, employer subsidized retirement benefits, and employer paid health care. Now let's come back a little bit to the the retirement benefits in reference to Medicare will not be raised, Social Security will not be raised. And on top of that, we come back to where people who are ready to retire are unable to retire. They have to work longer therefore delaying the amount of time they have before they can collect their benefits. Now, as their benefits are, you will say, sitting off the table in limbo somewhere, the earning problems benefits decreases by, you know, over time. So now you have a dilemma of not just the young who are coming out of college and facing a vicious job market. You're also facing those who are on the retirement fringe, ready to step down and say, hey, let me enjoy my, my golden years, unable to do so. Also, the employee health, paid health care situation is that uh, employers, particularly small ones, are now requesting that the workers pay for their own health benefits. And now, if you're only making so much money, you're having a problem, particularly if you have a family. So another headline also is that the CEO's uh, daily health bill score has been made. And what that means is basically the gist is that the drug industry stands to gain in the health overhaul 
by getting millions of new customers while insurance companies look like they are in for a tougher time. Uh, that's another headline from the Wall Street Journal. But what's going on is that uh, just as uh, Congress, Congresswoman Snow uh, said that she would support Obama's health plan, the insurance company have taken a more active, active stance through their lobbyists in Washington in saying that Obama's health care is going to raise the premiums for millions of Americans. And it's always a key word there, millions of Americans. But the problem with that key word, the millions of Americans, is that the reason why your health, uh, many health benefits are, why the health care system is, is as it stands, and I don't want to get in too deep because we talk about this later on, is that it's not the people that can't afford health care. It's not the people that have health care. It's the people that can afford health care that choose not to purchase it. That is the problem. And I'll table that conversation for the, for the health care section, which will be about five minutes. Also, CIT, sweetened this exchange offer. CIT Group sweetened parts of its debt exchange plan, but even though some investors express satisfaction with the changes, the embattled lender can still end up in bankruptcy court. Basically, what's happening in that situation is that uh, for those I'm seeing a lot of emails now, I want me to explain what that what, what exactly that means. Okay, uh, I'll give you the headline as it stands. The company offers scant details announcements late Friday, and more information is likely to come on Monday when the company files the amendment with the Securities and Exchange Company. CIT is asking holders of 31 billion dollars in bonds to cut this debt by at least 5.7 billion and extend the debt maturities, bondholders are also voting. And let me tell you, when bondholders stop voting, there's an issue that's going to go on that's, that's taking place. But I want to keep it brief and keep it to this, to this angle. Basically what happens when you buy a 30-year bond, you'll say you'll buy for $100, and the interest you'll pay on that $100 is, we'll say, $100 a month or $100 a year or what have you. And for 30 years, you'll get that, that constant uh, payment of interest off what you purchased the bond. Back in the days in the roaring 80s that it was called, that they were called junk bonds. And what happens, you'd buy bonds that are paying you 30% for 30% for 30 years. A lot of those bonds still exist, and people are making a killing. But what happened is that I would issue a bond, people would buy the bond, and I would use that money to either expand the company or buy other companies. So that's basically explaining what a, explaining what a bond is. Now, a debt exchange, you're at your if I, for example, when BET got sold, it wasn't that they sold a BET for a straight purchase price. The purchasing company, Viacom, assumed the debt of BET, which was in the billions. So that's kind of a, a loose exchange of a debit exchange plan. So in this case, they're asking the, buy, the holders of their bonds, and these are the people like yourself who is listening right now. You own the bonds in this company. And they're asking you to cut this debt by at least $5.7 billion and extend the debt maturities. That means that if, the, if your bond is going to mature, we'll say, in 10 years, they're asking you to allow it to extend into, we'll say, 12 or 13, 14 years, if I understand it correctly. And I'm sure my financial guy who's standing behind me in the booth will correct me if I, if I have errored in my statement. So <laughs> trust me, I, I, I could get deeper, but I'm trying to keep it as simplified as possible. All right, so bear with me. Now, we're going to take a quick break here, and someone, again, who has asked me about Michael Jackson, what I'll do, we'll give him a little love here, and we'll do this commercial break to Michael Jackson live in Bucharest. He's a smooth criminal. Let him prove it for himself. Talk to me, Michael.
Yeah, back people. Hey, Michael, don't worry. I know you were grooving back there. We got some people trying to moonwalk back here. But listen, bear with me. We have a little enough, another, another piece from him coming up live, all right? So bear with me. Bear with me. Let's have some fun here. Also on business and economy, business news, the family squabble services and the Hyatt IPO. And IPO is an initial public offering. Again, I have a company. I wanted to go from private to public, so I decided to sell shares. I hire a brokerage firm or an investment house to broker those deals. Those deals. And we'll say I sell the shares for 20 million, you know, 20, I'm going to say 20 million, right? Can you imagine a share worth $20 million? Oh, my God. Even, even uh, Mr. Buffett couldn't buy that. Actually, maybe he could. But anyways, I decided the shares are valued at $20 a share. The shares go on the market. You buy the shares. That makes me a public company. That is initial public offering. Well, filings in connection from the Wall Street Journal, filings in connection with the planned IPO for the Hyde Hotels reflect tensions among the controller and Fisker family. Uh, the Fisker family, I believe I, her name escapes me, but she was a key supporter of Obama, now President Obama, in his run for the office. Um, half the fact is a dissension in reference to some of the family want to sell, some of the family want to keep it. Some people, as obviously we will say in the Hilton situation, when you have a, a, a conglomerate such as this, a chain such as this, the Hyatt Hotel, there's always going to be that component of the family that says, you know, we want to keep this in the family. It's more valuable to us. But, of course, you have another component saying, you know, we already had it in the family. It's more valuable if we just sell it. So let's, we'll see how this transpires. Hopefully I'll have a new update for you next week. Also, Walmart, Amazon get for holiday battle. Again, from the Wall Street Journal, Walmart and Amazon preparing for a showdown this year, this holiday season, as the two companies increasingly encroach on each other's turf. It's been very interesting, people, what's been going on with Walmart and Amazon, particularly when it comes to their online purchases. Uh, once Amazon came out and just demonstrated that people will buy online, everybody started getting into the game here. So basically, in short, from the Wall Street Journal, Wall Street Journal I'll give this to you. The current price for over hot common Hot coming books is just the tip of the iceberg. In recent months, the two companies have increasingly copied each other's playbooks online and are trading more on each other's turf. Walmart.com Chief Executive Raul Vasquez in an interview that Walmart would continue targeting rivals such as Amazon with other hard discount promotions this holiday season. Quote, we intend to establish the price leadership we have established. End quote, paraphrase. It's going to be an ugly Christmas season, people. So let's get to continue on here in business news. Lastly and finally, fixed charge in the insider trading ring. People have been now this was this was getting a little ugly here. Really ugly, but we'll keep this very short for time. In the case echoing this again from the Wall Street Journal, in the case echoing the scandals of the nineteen eighties, federal authorities exposed what they claim is the biggest insider trading ring in a generation, a conspiracy in which a hedge fund kingpin and executives at blue-chip firms, including IBM and Intel, allegedly connived to profit on Google and other big-name stocks. At the center was Raj Rajaratnam. I'm sorry, let me say it again. Raj Rajaratnam, founder of Gillian Group, a New York-based fund firm that manages $3.7 billion. A native Sri Lanka, he spent years carving reputation as a meticulous investor in technology stocks, building a fortune estimated at $1.5 billion. But what happened is that the Fed and the Security Exchange Commission, they use wiretaps, old school style, because wiretaps means police officers have to sit there forever listening to all these wire, these uh, wiretaps conversations on the phone. And basically what's happening is that uh, individuals at different companies were giving secret or classified information to their friends at other companies about impending shares, 
impending stock announcement, impending uh, earnings rate, uh, statements where that the earnings are down. They'll say, hey, sell your, share your shares. Share, sell your shares on Thursday because on Friday they're going to announce the earnings went down or buy more stock on Thursday because the earnings statements are going to be higher than expected. So um, six people will charge. It's a massive, massive fraud case. And hedge funds are basically uh, uh, they're not just like they're not like mutual funds where anybody can get in can be a be a part of them or buying shares. Hedge funds are basically only available to institutionals, uh, institutions like uh, companies, what have you, and wealthy. Now, let's get on to entertainment news, which people have been wanting to hear for some time. Uh, the box office numbers have coming out for the week. It's been a very interesting week. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to Where the Wild Things Are, which I remember vividly in my youth, that book, with a big smile on my face. I'd like to purchase that book again just to, you know, have it in my collection. So the day I do have children, I can say this is a fan. This is a uh, favorite of mine from my younger days. Over 40 years ago, I know, but hey, still my younger days. Uh, when the wild, Where the Wild Things Are, closed number one at the box office. Uh, the estimate right now is thirty-two million four hundred and seventy thousand. Uh, it's playing in three thousand seven hundred. I'm sorry, thirty-two million four hundred and seventy thousand dollars. That's thirty million, thirty-two point four million. We'll say we'll round it up. Thirty-two point five million. Playing in three thousand seven hundred thirty-five theaters. Uh, the average gross for a theater screen was eight thousand six hundred ninety-three, and the budget for this movie estimated was a hundred million dollars. Uh, Jamie Foxx, Law-Abiding Citizen, and the gentleman from 300, whose name escapes me at this moment. But again, Jamie Foxx, Law-Abiding Citizen, closed at $22.2 million. It's playing in 2,890 theaters. Its average gross per screen is $7,353. And its budget was $50 million. That has a better chance of breaking even particularly when it gets to his DVD and um, network purchases after his theater run. Um, also, let me add that WB, Warner Brothers, is behind Where the Wild Things Are, and Overture Pictures is behind Law Abiding Citizens. Coming in at number three, uh, Paranormal Activity, coming from Paramount, grossed $20.1 million. Uh, that's an increase of 155.2%. Its theater count is 760 uh, that's again, they're increasing. It's uh, as they say that it's going wide. Uh, going wide means that you release the movies in a hundred movies uh, one week, and then you increase it by another two hundred theaters the following week. That means going wide. Again, it depends on the film. Uh, this information is coming from Box Office Mojo. Want to give them the love because they've always given me the love, referencing the information they provided to me. You want to check them out? BoxOfficeMojo.com. Great people. Always make sure I stay on top of what's going on. Uh, paranormal Activities average screen price uh, screen gross was twenty six thousand five hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, its total gross right now is thirty three point seven million dollars. No budget disclosed. Couples Retreat came from Universal, closed at number four, seventeen point nine million dollars, down forty seven percent, playing in three thousand and nine screens. That's a change of actually it's increased by nine screens. So I guess it was in three thousand. They increased it by nine, and it dropped almost fifty percent in the box office. Uh, the average screen rate is five point nine thousand dollars per screen. Total gross right now is sixty-three point three million dollars. Its budget was seventy million dollars uh, to 
skim through this for you. Those who have a specific question of a particular project, uh, let me know. We'll definitely cover that for you. And we'll round out the top ten with the stepfather, came in number five, grossing $12.3 million. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs came in at number six. That's from Sony. Uh, Screen Gems did the stepfather. Now, again, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs by Sony grossed a total of, over this past weekend, $8.1 million bringing the total gross to $108,284,000. Its budget was $100,000. Zombieland, number seven from Sony, grossed $7.8 million over the weekend uh, for a total gross of $60.8 million. Its budget was $23,067,000. Number eight, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, 3D from Buena Vista, Grossed over the weekend, $3.0 million. Uh, his total gross now is $28.5 million. No budget disclosed. Surrogates, Bruce Willis' movie, came in at number nine from Buena Vista. Over the weekend, it grossed $1.9 million. And for a total gross of $36.3 million, its budget was $80 million. And the word right now is that Bruce Willis' movie is a flop. Apparently, his box office draw is waning, or he's just not in the right vehicle, which probably means that Die Hard four or five or whatever is, is on the way. Uh, Whip It came in at number 11 from Fox Searchlight. It grew, grossed The weekend grows 1.4 million for a total gross of 11.6 million. I'm getting a question here about Tyler Perry's movie. Okay, I'll give it to you. Tyler Perry's at 16, grossed 590 thousand dollars over the weekend. That's a drop from the previous weekend of 61 percent uh, for a total gross of 51.4 million dollars. Uh, budget was not disclosed, but I believe the budget was around 11 million dollars. I could be incorrect. And people have been asking about Good Hair Tucker's Chris Rock's documentary. Uh, Good Hair came in number 18. Uh, it's from, I actually can't make out who this movie was the producer behind that project. Uh, Roadside Attractions is the behind that, attra- that film, Good Hair. That uh, grows $437,000. Now playing in 179 screens uh, for a total gross of $1.7 million. Now, people feel that it's a failure, but from what I understand, the movie's supposed to go, it's only a limited release right now, and it's, it's grossing $2,400 plus in per screen average. So let's give it some time and see what happens when it goes wide. I believe it's going to go, go wide on October 23rd, if I am correct. Uh, another email came here from someone asking about fame from MGM. It grossed $880,000 over the weekend. Its total gross is $21.7 million. Its budget was $18 million. Fame, I want to live forever. Uh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, another email. This will be the last one we get to here. Uh, from Paramount, gross $405,000. Total gross of G.I. Joe, $149.6 million. A lot of money until you consider the fact it cost $175 million to make that film. Horrible. That's horrible. If you, you can see where it, what films it ripped off. And they couldn't tell if it wanted to be serious or wanted to be a, a parody or wanted to be camp. 
and how one that how that lead actor in that film got that role is beyond me. Okay, one last one because I'm getting like 30 emails about Inglorious Bastards from the Weinstein. Uh, they're kind of going through financial situations right now, laying off some staff. Uh, Inglorious Bastards grows 366,000 over the weekend. Uh, total gross 119 million dollars plus. Uh, the budget was $70 million. That's an education news. Education news. That's an entertainment news. Forgive me for being off the mark there with my little statement. Also, if we want to we talk about entertainment news, let's talk about a little-known place that's getting a lot of love right now in the media, well, in Hollywood, and that is the place of Iowa. Yes, people, Iowa. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. It's Iowa. Uh, their film in, the film incentives that they have offered to film producers has really brought in a lot of people to film in Iowa. I'm not that familiar with exactly what the landscape is in Iowa, but let me give you what the Wall Street Journal is saying in brief. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Iowa, awesome along. This sober Midwest city rubs shoulders with actors such as Forrest Whitaker, Adrian Brody, and Elizabeth Shue. No fewer than four Hollywood productions were shooting in town. It was, quote, it was surreal, end quote, says Michael Brown, a 24-year-old bartender at the Continental, a restaurant near the state capitol. He recalls watching Nick Stahl on the HBO series Carnival one day before work and then serving the actor dinner at the bar that night. You don't expect that in Iowa, but what's happening is that in Des Moines, Iowa, a population 200,000, they're offering incentives for people to film in that state. Well, actually, let's, let's turn that around. Iowa was hot for a little while until the accountants started taking a look at the numbers of how it was benefiting Iowa and said these incentives are not working for the state. So what I want to do is, so I probably sometimes next when we're span to an hour and 40, probably an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes so I can cover more of this because I realize as I put it all together, it's deeper than our time allows. So we will work on it from that conjunction. So that's why I'm kind of, skimming the news as we're going through this, but I'm looking to go to an hour and a half next week, which will allow me to expand each component of what, we, uh, what I want to cover. In international news, what stands in my mind right now is Afghanistan, being that the election of President Karzai is being challenged, and that massive fraud has been reported and discovered and validated by the U.N., and now President Karzai wants to avoid a runoff with his uh, number two rival, with his main rival, Abdullah Abdullah. And should they discount the votes from one particular province, I believe it's East of Kandahar, it'll force a runoff between Karzai and Abdullah. Now people are talking about a coalition government, which Karzai does not want to do, and Abdullah does not want to do until the mandate is set for re-election. Now it's kind of funny in that, when President, uh, our mission is done, I can't pronounce the name correctly, but the President of Iran ran for office. People didn't want to recognize his election, saying it was massive fraud. And I know the slogan was in Iran, where is my vote? But it's very interesting how quiet people are when it comes to Afghanistan. And I think people are looking that Afghanistan is a battle on the, quote, war on terror or war against al-Qaeda and the Taliban. The problem is that Karzai, from what I understand, a lot of people inside Afghanistan are saying, is running Afghanistan like a bank. He and his family are basically controlling a, a, a monopoly of the business there, making a lot of money, and they're not really interested in power sharing. If you sit back and ask the question, what exactly has he done to better the situation in Afghanistan? Taliban's returning, taking over provinces in the north. Uh, heroin production is going up. 
And, you know, Al-Qaeda has been reported to be training there also, which is putting President Obama in a bind. Does he increase the troops, which goes against his campaign promise, or does he lower the troop level? So that is an international news for Afghanistan. The word right now is in Rio, Rio, uh, Brazil. Congratulations. Got awarded the, uh, the Olympics. I believe it's the Summer Olympics 2016. A big celebration. Uh, people are worried about crime taking, taking place there and affecting the Olympics. But President Lula has said that that will not be an issue. Sadly, the day after he said that, two days ago, uh, a helicopter was shot down over one of the favelas by, by a, uh, a gang, <laughs> a gang that's at war with another gang. So, yes, a helicopter was shot down by gunfire over one of the favelas, which is basically a m- massive ghetto. Uh, so their version of the, the shanty towns in South Africa. And it's, they're big. If you want to see having a good idea, go see the movie City of God. So, but congratulations to the Brazilians. It was a big party. Sadly, uh, I think what happened is that President Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, Oprah went out to sell Chicago. They didn't even make it out the first round, which really stunned a lot of people. Didn't even make it out the first round. But what, and, uh, Japan gave a good presentation about what, 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 how they would bring it uh, for the, the Olympics. Madrid gave a, good, a great presentation. But I think what happened is that President Lula said, okay, you know, we want to let you guys go first so you can do your presentation. And I believe President Lula walked up and kicked in a DVD of the 2009 carnival in Rio, Rio de Janeiro. There was, no, there was no contest after that. They said, well, we know who won. Here we go. But all kidding aside, congratulations to my Brazilian listeners for winning the, the Summer Olympics. I believe it was 2016. And that is our international news. Um, in the as we say the uh, miscellaneous section, we talk about whatever comes into my mind. So let's go down the line here. Uh, first off, the big news last week was that President Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize, and the biggest question after that was for what? And if you actually see the announcement when they announced his name, you can hear the gasp in the room. Even President Obama came out there and said, "You know, I don't deserve it. Me? Where do I stand? I don't think he does. He hasn't done anything. I mean, that warrants a Nobel Peace Prize." Now, a lot of people say if you say anything against Obama, you're a hater. Well, you know, thanks for you think I'm hating, that's fine. But, you know, we all have our opinion, and if you can back up your opinion with facts and be rational about it, it's not about hating anything. I've never said just like President Obama. Well, I'm just saying in this case, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't brought peace to the Middle East. Um, what the cash for clunkers, I guess, is supposed to be the, uh, the capstone of the, for the nominating committee, particularly since President Obama was nominated to, uh, was only in office for two weeks before the deadline closed. But the word came to me that he was actually nominated as a senator, which was very interesting that I did not hear about that before. But for me, the Nobel Peace Prize has always been about something that's done something extraordinary, whether it be Dr. King, rest in peace, brother, whether it be uh, Ralph Bunch, who, brought, who uh, was very instrumental in the uh, peace framework in, uh, power in uh, the Middle East, or the gentleman, I believe his name is uh, Mr. Muteli, I know I'm killing the name, I believe it's spelled M-U-T-H-I-L-E, Mutali, who was fighting for peace and was a founder of the uh, African National Congress back, I believe, in 1946 when Zimbabwe was still known as Rhodesia or Mother Teresa or what have you. So when you think about the Nobel Peace Prize, it has to be something on that level. Even President, Vice President Gore, for what he did uh, in Kivian Truth, I believe won the Nobel Peace Prize, if I'm correct, or he co-won it. But for me, I, didn't, I don't believe President Obama uh, should have won it. There are other people out there who are fighting for peace, and not just Congo, 
not just in Africa, not just in Europe, but all around the world. And I believe that's part of the last thing that President Obama needed. And this could actually result in people turning against him because already in Hollywood, among the gay community, there was a massive march in, Holly, in uh, Washington, D.C., and that the gay community is split versus, between those that support President Obama and those that are disappointed that he hasn't, he hasn't held up his end of the bargain in reference to his campaign promises. And then when you, you also see a schism in President Obama's administration when it comes to Darfur, which you notice has not been in the map as much as lately. It's going that Ambassador, Rice to the, Ambassador Susan Rice to the UN is asking for a harder stance against Darfur, but the special envoy, uh, General Gishtin, I think his name is, is saying that there should be more of a carrot offering to Sudan in reference to dealing with them from a non-hostile point of view in reference to getting their support in the Sudanese-South Sudan situation. We don't know that South Sudan is a primarily Christian region. If I recall the the situation of uh, Sudan correctly, and I believe in 2011, South Sudan is supposed to hold a referendum in which they will vote to either stay as part of Greater Sudan or see from Sudan and be their own region, similar to Somaliland. So that issue is very tricky, but right now there's a big battle a big argument and a big fight between Ambassador Rice to the, uh, the, the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. and General Gation, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name, who was the U.S. Special Envoy to Sudan. So it should be very interesting to see how that plays out. Also, another email here. Yes, in Entertainment News, this is it. Michael Jackson's documentary opens up, I believe, uh, the Friday of Halloween week. It's going to play for two weeks before it gets released in DVD, just in time for Christmas. From what I've seen of the footage, I'm not impressed. It doesn't look very interesting to me. And you wonder, as LaToya, obviously not a good source of uh, uh, wisdom when it comes to her brother, the late Michael Jackson, uh, says that she feels that Michael wouldn't have been happy with the documentary because it basically just shows him going through, you know, his rehearsal that half, you know, half energy, half speed. And it's interesting about the energy in that health-wise the autopsy came on and said that it was discovered for a man of his age, at 50, that he was in great health. You know, the word was that he was, uh, his body was full of drugs and all kinds of illicit uh, medications and medicinals. But apparently he was in very good health, which doesn't make the case for Dr. Murray, uh, the gentleman that gave him the propofol, uh, if I pronounce it correctly, um, make his case go very well that, Michael was a drug addict asking for drugs and all the kind of medication. So it's very interesting to see how that turns out. But the word on the street is that uh, Dr. Murray is going to be arrested on outstanding child support. So I believe, if I know the law, how some of them may work, they may wait use that charge to bring him in and then amend the charge to include uh, manslaughter or second-degree murder. Should be very interesting to just keep an eye on that and see how that transpires. Well, I see this as it. Not really. I'm not too sure. I'm kind of dealing about it. I saw some footage that they showed that uh, Michael singing "The Way You Make Me Feel." I was kind of surprised to see a black girl on stage because every time he's performed that song in public, it's always been a non-black uh, woman. So it's very interesting. But then again, she looks. She may. I'm not too sure. But the performance is kind of lackluster. And for me, I'd be just. I'd just be too tempted to wonder. You know, does Michael realize that within 24 hours of this particular footage, he'd be dead? You know, that's how I'd look at it. And, you know, Michael hasn't really invented any new dances since, you know, the 
uh, Thriller album or performances. I'm sorry, let me take that back. Um, the Dangerous album, Jam, has some good stuff on this. I take that back. Since that album that Teddy Riley produced, he hasn't really had anything new out there uh, in reference to that was like, you know, the Thriller. Or, but as Mariah Carey said, there will only be one music box. Even though people expect another one, there will only be one music box. So Thriller stands as it stands. Um, I'm sure This Is It will probably do great box office overseas. It is very interesting to see how the box office is going to look here. So we shall see on that note. So let's give a little, another, since we're talking about Michael here, let's give another uh, performance for Michael because, you know, he, the guy, he left a legacy behind that, you know, he, he was at the intersection of MTV and music videos, things like that. But you know how it goes for Michael. He always want to be starting something. So... Michael, 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 the man will be missed. Oh, nah, come on. You know why they're doing this to me, people in the back? You want to play it again because 
this is actually like again, that was a performance from Bucharest, uh, his concert, his HBO concert that Michael did in Bucharest, nineteen ninety-two, I believe it was. And the people in the back are actually watching the video, and they this part, you know, at this part Michael stops, and people are saying, you know, people are all clapping and stuff like that. Then Michael backs up and stands his feet. If you can't beat your baby, everybody starts dancing. So everybody back there wants to see that part. I'm like, no, we only have like four minutes left, <laughs> so we got to stop there. So hey, look, let's wrap up our little symposium here. I really thank you guys for listening. We have four minutes left. So I'm going to give you, again, a brief recap of what's going on in the world. And bear with me as we get some things together over the next coming weeks. Yes, the Congo piece is moving beautifully. And also, if you want to have a look at that, you know, look at me on Facebook, Saida Binga, you know, S-A-I-D-D-I-B-I-N-G-A. Join me on Facebook, and, you know, we can stay in touch that way. This show is always uploaded there also. But while we have the remaining, uh, remaining minutes, let's uh, do a brief recap in the world, add a few things here. Uh, the balloon hoax that the family did, that the, my son is in a balloon and floating off. The sheriff is going to press charges and discover that the balloon wasn't strong enough to lift that boy anyways. So if you go to CNN, you can check that out. Also, the star, corner, the star cornerback for UConn was stabbed to death recently, uh, a couple hours after the last game. Tragic loss. Uh, his name actually is on another piece of paper that's on the other side of the floor. So I apologize for not having that information to you. Uh, the Detroit Marathon, three died during the marathon. Some people are saying it's heat-related, but news is still coming out on what's going on. Uh, Rio de Janeiro fortifies its streets after the deadly shootout, and that's the shootout that brought down the helicopter, because the last thing they want is uh, the world saying a helicopter shot down that had the police in it by the gangs in the favelas. Also... Pakistan has launched its offense against the Taliban in Western Pakistan. They've killed 60. Um, it's been discovered that the Taliban tube website is actually hosted in the United States. So you know the federal the authorities are coming down hard on the hosting service that's hosting the uh, Taliban tube website. Also, uh, Governor Palin of Alaska has posted her resume online. Just put up Palin resume and go take a look. Let me know what you think next show. Uh, restaurant critics are struggling to stay anonymous with today's technology. It's hard to say the food at this particular cafe stinks. I'm going to use another word. And sign a, an alias and not have the people find out who you really are. <laughs> so that's what's going on in that aspect. Uh, again, you already know about wild things uh, exceed expectations by making $32 plus million dollars at the box office. And also in Johannesburg, the latest the word, the word on the street, no pun intended, is that you can get sex for $7 in Johannesburg. So that's something we may follow up, or I may find some footage, a news clip, and post it on my site. And also, is the Black American West Museum haunted? Apparently, the spirits of the past in, of Black America is floating through the museum, and people are seeing this. So people, in our few minutes here, we've had enough of the rain in L.A. So lucky it's been hot the last couple of days. I think people have not had enough of the snow in New England. So on that note, people in New England, in the, the cold world, stay warm. People in the hot world, L.A., stay cool. And you all do what you do, do what you love, and love what you do. And don't be a background singer in your own life. People, I am gone. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. I'm out.
tonight I'm not gonna let you go. 